We're the Pragmatic Doulas. This is a podcast where we talk all about birth and other interesting things. Birth may be a goddess, but she doesn't want to be worshipped. She wants to be respected. She doesn't want incense. She wants common sense. So we are being recorded. Zoom has told us that we are being recorded. I'm asked to continue or leave. Oh, yeah. I can give you leave. Last week, you last week you left. Yeah, <laughs> I did. Disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. I do not consent. And if you're gonna leave, then fuck it. I'm not letting you back in. <laughs> make me sit in that wait that waiting room. Yeah, I'll sit, I'll let you sit and wait there. I I wouldn't it be nice if the wait room was like, you know. There was like stuff happening, like little videos and happy times and hey, blah, 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 instead of just like just a, a blank, blank computer screen. Yes. Somebody and came into my I have done sorry, go on. So I talked last what the hell is going on with all right. this audio and shit? You're off my phone. I taught class last night and usually I sit down like about 20 minutes or 30 minutes before to just get myself sort of situated and sorted out and get everything sort of open and whatnot. And about 20 minutes before the class, somebody like came in and sat in the way and was in the waiting room. I'm like, Bitch, what? you're no. 20 minutes early. Like, no, nope. You can you sit know, there. Yeah. And just sit there. Like every once in a while, I know there's somebody might pop in there because they're testing it out. Yeah, 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 which I love. Thank God. Yeah, I that. get that. But there are people who who show up early so that they could catch you to talk their about their personal stuff. Yeah. Nope. Time. That's, that's well, and, and they were the ones that showed up half an hour would have show up half an hour before class while you're still setting up, right? Yes. To talk about yeah. it. And it's like ugh, like I'm here early to set up. I don't have time to talk to you. Like mm-hmm let me do my shit first and then I will talk to you or talk to me after I'm mm-hmm. 100% available after, but not before. I'm still trying to find my rhythm. Still trying to get into the zone. Yeah. I have some the teaching, the teaching I do with dual Canada for a bit as well. There's always students there way too soon. I'm like, I'm not ready for you yet. I need some time. <laughs> Feels yeah. like pressure. Too much pressure. Yeah. Too much pressure to chit chat and schmooze when I don't want to yep no nope. sometimes I'm literally listening to a podcast and sorry I don't I don't want to be disturbed I'm at a really good part so I'll I'll, I'll wave at them and show them earphones sorry yeah. and then just keep doing my thing that makes them leave you alone yeah it's a universal the same thing happens alone. with your children when I put these on in the house I don't even have to be listening to anything but they'll assume I'm either on a call listening to a podcast or I'm in a class and so I have found it reduces interruptions for shit they can figure out themselves by about 50 percent nice excellent yes that's 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 a huge life hack yes I am not openly available if these are on and by those because we're in a podcast she means headphones headphones yes And not little, not little. For those that can't hear what we're saying, for those that can't see what we're saying, there's a there's headphones, and then I've got 
Beats by Dre in a shiny gold color. So it's not like <laughs> you can't tell I got headphones on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, whereas mine are small ear thingies. So you can't tell that I have them on unless I show you, like I do the thing, point to my ear. Sorry, you can't talk right now. <laughs> I can't hear you. Yeah. Ah, so how is everybody? Briefly. Good, sort of. It's been yeah. a hard week here. It's been it's been a uh, hard week. Um, it's been a week here in the Great White North. It is. It's. Uh, I mean, what's wonderful is it is Pride Month, mm -hmm. and yeah. you know, we have lots to. Well, I don't want to say we have lots to celebrate there, but it's always a, a happy time to be out there and supporting those in our family in that community, and uh, that's mm -hmm. always wonderful. And a bunch of Catholic school boards have actually, for the first time ever, flying the pride flag. Did they decide uh, to do it? Yeah, they well, did. Toronto did, and Durham, and Peel. And Peel, but Halton did not. Ottawa, yeah, no, Halton didn't. I'm, I, I, remem I remember um, this was maybe a couple of months ago where there was a discussion on something that I was on, and people were saying, oh, these freaking whatever catholic school board whatever won't do it they won't fly the pride flag um and i i'm i'm of two minds about it kind of sort of i don't like if that's their thing their that if their holy book tells them that this is a bad that uh same-sex love marriage whatever is a bad thing how are we going to ask them not to do it and that sounds crazy coming from me, but hear me out. Why the fuck are you sending your kids to fucking public school then? I don't, I'm just saying, like, this is an institution that, as we all know, super problematic in many, 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 many ways. And um, so they how do they now reconcile flying the pride flag with what they claim is a sin? How do they do that then? I don't, I don't, and I just don't, I just don't want anything to do with people who have that. I just like, fuck them, fuck them all. No, just fuck off, go somewhere else. Uh, so <laughs> go away, I, go, go, go away. Because if your innate belief is that certain people are not worthy, valid, certain people are, are bad, invalid, abominations or whatever the fuck they say they believe in, then why am I going to fight you to make a gesture about about that? That's why I just don't understand people fighting them to do that when they we all know what they're about. Well, I think part of it is because a few years ago the Pope had spoken out and said that, despite what is said in the in the Bible, we are all God's children, and while while it's our time here on Earth, um, our job is not to be. Uh, judging or trashing or harming people who sh who are in the LGBTQ community. Um, Which Pope said that? The current one. Francis. Oh. Yeah. Um, so he had basically said, you know, it's not your, if, if that's the way things are, don't worry about it on your mind. It's shit that'll be dealt with when you pass away. Um, because as many times in the we'll Bible, get you in the says, afterlife. Don't you worry yeah. about what's happening on earth. Yeah. As, for for like as many times as, 
Mm -hmm. yeah, and he said, if that is the case, and I think that's because there's a lot of people who believe the original translation, uh, the Greek translation back in the 1500s, which was that it was, for those who are fully entrenched in this, it, that it, it actually was pedophilia. It's not homosexuality. It is pedophilia that was being referred to. You should not lay with your son. So uh, specifically, it was like, you really shouldn't lay with your own kids, um, but also you shouldn't lay with children. That's the original Greek translation. And I think there's a lot of people for as much as they're not gonna necessarily do the work to up, uh, for the upheaval that that would cause for the current translation to, that's being used. I think that that's why. I think a lot of people believe that that's actually the case. It's not homosexuality. Mm, so it's a translation thing. It's a translation thing. But at the end of the day, truly, there's as many things, if you are invested in that, there's as many times in the Bible that says, don't fuck around with your neighbor, mind your own business. That too. <laughs> and, you know, and if you find yourself lusting after a woman, pluck out your fucking eyes. Because that's, you know. Yeah, hello. <laughs> How about that little commandment? That seems That's harsh. right. It does. It's a little extreme, but many things are, you know? Many things in the Bible are a little extreme. I felt like there might have been, you know, people might have been, you know, using some sort of drug when they were writing this shit down. It seemed very extreme. <laughs> <laughs> Something to open their mind. And it always opened their mind in a, in a very violent, patriarchal, that's the only way that their mind could open is that way um yes telling somebody what to do <laughs> yeah i know it's a hard question i did ask it on that forum and nobody really could answer it to my satisfaction anyway but that's all that's always my my thing is i don't have time to be to like i just don't religion especially i'm i don't it's, it, their things say certain things and i'm i'm it god bless god bless whoever bless the people who who are invested in trying to dig down and make those kind of changes i don't i just don't i just don't feel that's how i want to spend my time so yeah. we only have so much energy to make the changes we can with the time we have on this earth and that's not your, I'm not, that's not, I'm, not ask, I'm not begging anybody to tolerate me not begging nope. anybody to tolerate me. I'm going to go out there in my rainbow flag and sparkles and glitter and booty shorts or whatever the hell I want. I'm going to walk in the street and yell, and do whatever I want, because that's, that is me celebrating the diversity of sexuality for everybody. And I'm not going to spend my time begging anybody to tolerate me because that's what they're, that's what it is. If they're forced to fly the flag or, or what the Pope said, you know, leave them they're good they're gonna get taken care of in heaven you don't worry you need to worry about them here they'll get theirs in the afterlife okay yeah that's very reassuring so i don't know i i i know i'm not of that faith and i neither am i a member of the lgbtq plus community uh so i'm just out here running my mouth as usual <laughs> there you go the yeah. world according to Suzanne. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Podcast will be airing on yes, on all your podcast platforms. <laughs> okay, so uh, are we all checked in? Who else? We did say it was a heavy going. Week. Carissa, we had Carissa here. We didn't introduce. Yeah. We know her. 
she's you know her she's here for book club we love i was saying i messaged you yesterday after i sent you the wrong link um <laughs> sent you the link to my wednesday class which actually uh -huh. subsequently had actually been over for an hour um mm -hmm. but I love you being here. I love seeing you at least every couple of months. I'm so pleased when you join us. So don't stop ever doing that, please. Well, You're I the would best. be very glad if I wasn't here. And I love being here. And I weekly talk to you, even though you don't know it, when I listen to you guys on your podcast, I feel like <laughs> I'm yelling at, saying, I should write that down. I should write notes or think. Of... But yeah, I'm constantly talking to you guys, whether you know it or not. Awesome. Thank you. Excellent. We should have a, a curse of comment corner. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Challenge us, ask us questions, and we will we promise to address them in, in uh, every episode. Yeah, you know, it's all well on you. On that, that episode that you weren't there, Suzanne, we like begged people to send us their questions and, and we would fucking answer them. And guess how many questions we got? Let me guess. Let me guess. This many. Yeah. Zero. She's None. holding her hands together in the shape I mean, of a zero. It's usually, I mean, questions is usually comments or like agreeing. Most of the times I'm agreeing or I have a story like it. But yeah, I know. I don't. Yeah. I we get nothing. Even Sam doesn't talk to us anymore. She doesn't email Sam. us anymore either. Sam has better Sam. Sam is over there kicking ass on TikTok. That's what she's doing. How I'm not even on TikTok, and I'm telling you right now, there's no fucking way on this God oh. good earth that I'm going to do that. And Sorry, I'll tell you right now, that the only reason why I'm on TikTok is so that I can follow Abby Elliott. Along came Abby, a four year old girl who has led my life, and <laughs> I need to see Abby's videos every single day. And uh, it's easier if you have a TikTok account to just like open it up and click, 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 click. And since then, I've I've come across, discovered a few other people who are really cool that I do follow, but Abby is my absolute, she's a little kid, you know, where her father asked her if she was the one who was stealing all the donuts in the neighborhood. She, have you seen that video? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my oh my God. And um, Abby's going to be five in August and I just adore her. So that's why I'm on TikTok. And then I saw Sam. So Sam is over there posting every day, sometimes twice a day. She's on, she's got a bunch of stuff on, she got a bunch of stuff on YouTube as well. You should follow her baby ready, um, yeah, her, her company. So yeah, she's got a lot of stuff there. Um, if you are LGBTQ plus, if you have clients who are, those are some great resources to follow. She's amazing. She is that Samantha Leeson. She really is. Go yeah. follow her and Give her all the business that you have to give. Refer the hell out of her and her her company. Baby, ready. And if you have hours to kill in your day, or you work lots of night shifts, <laughs> box so that you can kill lots of time. Oh See, my, my problem is is it's video. Like I don't want I don't want to wear earphones. I don't want to have the it out for people to hear. I like to just read. I just just post a picture of your bullshit, and I will read it through and decide whether it needs to be reported or not. Like I just just let me do that. Okay? <laughs> You're the social media police. Fuck these well, days, I am. But there is something about TikTok that 
is addictive because you scroll one little 10 second video and then a 15 second video and another 10 and you just keep doing that if, if you find somebody like i follow this cleaning lady she's she's literally a cleaning is that the lady. one from iceland Do you know who no oh. who's that oh you tell me after this is, this is a lady in the in the states um she's a mexican lady and so she'll she'll just say i'm going to tell you the the correct order to clean your bathroom first you should clean this and then you move on to this and then that and then she shows and she goes how pretty <laughs> <laughs> everything she cleans at the end of the video she says how pretty and her name is vanessa amor amora amore something like that and i'm like goggle-eyed just watching her cleaning videos cleaning videos watching somebody scrub a sink is like mesmerizing to me and of course there's lots of plant people on tiktok too so i watch a bunch of plant people so well, i have it's to a, tell just you another way to get it to your phone so i've had to i've had to put my plants up here these two because yeah. my cat keeps yeah. trying to eat them damn it and They've are been... they eatable no of course not <laughs> well i mean like will they hurt them some plants are toxic and some are not well they're still alive i mean <laughs> we'll take but it. i mean i get up i hear in the middle of the night crash and i come out and they're like knocked off the shelf and shit so i've had to put them up like oh you gotta put them out of like you have toddlers yeah little fucking bastards yeah. here am i trying to actually you know be i don't know domestic in some way with plants but they're why i don't have nice things i mean i this is why i That's can't right. have nice things because i have children Just and pets yeah children and pets. yeah my children do not appreciate my plants i have a, a huge conglomerate in my bedroom Jeez, because yeah. holy shit they don't holy shit what the <laughs> yeah, hell man that is that has grown. That's. I'm not kidding. <laughs> okay, no, that seriously. That I is there like plants? The air in my bedroom is actually it's actually like pure oxygen in here. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, the, the planet. It's Holy like crap. a rainforest in this room. It is, yeah. Look, if it starts uh, raining, you're gonna it. have a problem. Yeah, I love it, and um, there's some downstairs, but they're mostly up here. And Ziggy's pretty good. My puppy doesn't really. Well, because puppies, bother. they're down there on the floor and they're like, yeah, I'm down here on the floor and, you know, you're my world <laughs> and you feed me and that's the end of that. Cats are like, right, bitch, what do we what got can going I, on today? Let me look around here to see. What? Yes, yes. What can I yes. fuck with? What can I just try today? today? Yeah. Oh, look, new plants. Okay, let's give that a try. So I had, this one's new because two others died from probably lack of attention and being eaten by the cats <sighs> yes i mean it was a it was a cactus and i thought oh, it looks all right and then i you know a couple weeks later went and looked at it and like touched it and all the little things fell off and it's like okay well that's dead you, more, right. more plants die from too much attention actually more plants die from too much attention well, this one died from lack of attention lack so of attention. yeah that happens too. They and I and I had to, I had to get a new orchid because my other one died as well. But I'm like, I'm 
you know what? I'm just going to try this again. Let's just probably going to die too, but I'm going to give it one more chance. And let's see I've, had, I've had an orchid plant for um, about four years, but four months is about my, it's not getting any new flowers, but it's gotten new leaves. This is a new leaf. This is Oh, see leaf. again, same thing. Like the, the flowers died, but yeah. then when I went to touch it, all the leaves fell off. So oh like, no, mine yeah, okay, that's dead. Tendrils off. I know that a lot of times it says not to cut those tendrils off, but I've yeah. done that, and every time I do it, it blooms. Oh. oh, you're supposed to cut the tendrils off? I've heard back and forth, but when I take them off, they tend to bloom within a couple. Because you see, there there's new growth right at the tips there, uh -huh. but I don't know what the purpose what that's purpose that serves. So is there water. not is there not an orchid person on TikTok that you can? Oh, many. Oh, that's that's there good you go. idea. <laughs> that's a very good idea um i'm also now like the propagation queen so i've cut off like i'm propagating Jesus. little things like that in these little bottles so so cute listen do i have a social life do i this is it more than me this is what <laughs> i do okay this is what i have it's my it's my green joy teeny tiny green joy there you so, go yeah all right Okay, uh, so should we do a land acknowledgement? Yes, we should. Hundred percent. Um. So this is the usual one that I I always read. Uh, the city of Toronto acknowledges that we are on. So the city of Toronto, because this land acknowledgement came from them we live, I live within the confines of the city of Toronto. So that's why I'm saying that. And we acknowledge, we, the pragmatic doulas that we are, that we live and work and raise our families and do everything in our lives on the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee and the Wendat people. And this place that we live on is currently still home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis people. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13, which was signed with the Mississaugas of the Credit, and the Williams Treaties, which was signed with multiple Mississaugas and Chippewa bands. So yeah, there. All right, and... So the reason we do this, and it seems like pandering, and it seems like, you know, just, yeah. just saying it for the sake of saying it, but the reason we say this is for the very reason that last Thursday, it was announced that on the lands, the grounds of a residential school in Kamloops, BC, the bodies of 215 children were uncovered. And that is why we say this. That is why we believe that um, there needs to be reconciliation and that the Indigenous peoples of this country have been poorly, poorly mistreated and their children, children have been taken from their homes. Yeah and put into residential schools and had their entire culture stripped from them, been abused verbally, physically, and sexually, and 
have we know of one school where the lands unearthed children. So I call on our governments to, for God's sake, search the lands of the other goddamn schools that are there and find these children and bring them the peace, their families, closure and fucking do something about this. <clears throat> it literally is, it literally is the least that the government can do is 100%. to investigating the dozens of institutions that, that are still standing all across this country. It is the least that they can do is to invest in investigations to find out what others, how many other students, like we know, I forget the number, but it's in the thousands of, of children that were missing, that are missing still, whose families had them taken away and never saw them again. Can you fucking imagine that? And that bullshit was sanctioned. That bullshit was sanctioned by our leaders, by our government. And it wasn't just, you know, fucking John A. McDonald. No, this isn't old shit. This yeah. is shit that was has been happening within our lifetime. The last residential school, and I say school in quotes because there was no, there was a, it wasn't a fucking school. No. The last residential school closed in the 90s. 96. Okay. 96. 96. Yeah. So all of us here who are in our 40s and 50s, we could have been children placed in residential schools. And while our, we were in school, our those our age while we were in school, yeah, we're in residential schools. The same time we went to high school, public school, there mm -hmm. were kids just like us in residential schools, mm -hmm. schools created to beat the Aboriginal, the Indigenous, the true belief of a community out of them. The purpose was to remove any wish to associate with who you are as a people. It was to beat the essence out of indigenous people so that they could assimilate and be more easily controlled. And you do that, you do that by separating people from their communities. You do that by taking away their language, you, by taking away their spiritual beliefs, their traditions, their culture, their food. The and look, they're... Yeah, they're locked. Yeah, you do that by humiliating them. You do that by all of those those methods that were used by, and let's face it, I was just talking about the Catholic Church, the Catholic Church, not just the Catholic Church, I will say, because no, no. many other churches were involved, levels of government were involved, um, child welfare agencies were involved, all sorts of institutions and agencies were involved and complicit in this. The entire country was complicit in this. And when I hear so many people are saying, what, I can't believe this. Oh my gosh, that's outrageous, fuck off. The Truth and Reconciliation Commission published their report five years ago. This information has been known. And I've, I've been hearing it over and over. So many indigenous nations, people who lived around um, Kamloops, Kamloops, right? I always get Kamloops yeah. and mixed up. People who lived around there, the First Nations people who lived, they all knew. 
-hmm. They've carried this alone for these, all of these decades. They knew and their voices went unheard and it has to stop. Now, now that mainstream Canada shocked, now that mainstream Canada is surprised and outraged, now maybe something will get done. Now maybe somebody will put um, pressure on our darling prime minister to, to not fight in court. They are literally in court right now, fighting against some of the things in the reconciliation, the truth and reconciliation report. That outline basic things like fucking clean water and decent housing for people. And our American listeners, if you think that your country is exempt, it is not. not. This is all Turtle Island, all of this. We, yeah. we fucking settlers made up this nonsense about the, the 49th parallel and Canada and the United States and all of the politics and history that went along with it, fought each other for ownership of your country and our country, and it's not ours. None of us here can claim that. We're here. We're here by the grace of the indigenous people of this big giant landmass called Turtle Island. I am a settler immigrant. My, my people came here and settled here just a little bit after you guys and your people came here and settled here. But it basically was the same thing. So I don't consider myself necessarily any less complicit in this, any less benefiting from this country called Canada. Well, that's it. We all, it doesn't matter how we got here, when we got here, we're all here. And in order to give honor to everything that came before us, it's our part of the responsibility of being a citizen here is to ensure that we can help the healing, the healing of the whole fucking nation, the healing of the undoing of the rhetoric that we were fed about Indigenous people. Because we were fed that too. Sure were. We were fed some bullshit. Not, yeah. not just a lack of information. We were fed some bullshit, some biases, some ridiculous, just ridiculousness about about this, um, about the, the entire community, about who they are and their value in the system and that they're money grabbers. Yes, I've heard this shit. Mm -hmm. They're not money grabbers. We fucking came and took their home and killed their fucking children. Yeah. We are resource stealers. I, and I say this, me, because I live, I fucking live here. And a portion of my taxes certainly don't go to giving them money that is due them. So it's my responsibility to go to my government and say, ensure my fucking money gets to them so that they can live peacefully, have access to therapy that they so need because the government continued to allow this rhetoric to be out there. And we continue to take their children into our CPS. Yes, often it's because there's abuse going on. And yes, often it's because there's harm going on. And it's harm that we created. We created self-fucking-hatred of people. Mm -hmm. And we don't need kids taken away and put into white systems. We need healing. We need to invest in how these people need to heal, how these communities need to heal the way they need to heal, not the way we should tell them to heal. 
And if this isn't going to move you, if this isn't going to make change, if the uncovering of 215 children is not going to change you, then what the fuck is? What oh, has to happen? Somebody said, what? oh, come on. Let's not act like it's a mass grave. First of all, yeah, it was. And uh, so it was a cemetery. Oh, when w- w- the schools, think of all the schools you went to in your life. Where, was there a cemetery on the grounds of your school? Yeah. If it was a cemetery, where were the markers? Where was the, where was the ceremony? Where was the, you know, no. no. If it was a cemetery, these, these parents would know where their fucking kids are. A hundred percent. Um, Cheyenne, who, mother of Scarlet's, go follow her on Instagram because she's awesome. Asked a question today um, that said, what was your, what was your, what was the first thing you've ever heard about colonialism, right? But I would even make that question even broader to, to ask you guys this. What is the first history lesson you remember? Your earliest history lesson. Can you think of that? I know it right off the top of my head. I remember in grade three, in grade two what we learned, a poem. I don't remember the rest of it, but I remember the first line. In 1492, Columbus sailed, the ocean blue. Ocean blue. The Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria, blah, 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 blah. And how that started all the shit. And that was my very first history lesson. And as a person who was born in Jamaica, we were taught to revere, know that history. We didn't know anything about the indigenous peoples of that island because they had already been long dead. Every single last fucking one of the Taino and the Carib peoples who lived on the island of Jamaica, gone, 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 gone. And not one word. That's what we, that's what I learned. 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Lesson number two, all of the indigenous peoples of this land are dead. And it was only when I was a grown up that I learned that other islands in the Caribbean still had people. Like there are actually reserves on some islands in the Caribbean. I know for instance, that my daughter-in-law's island, uh, Dominica, that they have a reserve where the or the, where, um, Taino people live. And my mind was blown. I was like, what? Yeah. And that was my, that was my first history lesson so i don't know about you guys if you can remember when was what was the first thing you learned about history i don't remember and i know when i came to canada we learned about samuel du champlain jacques cartier that was my first history lesson when i came here railroad and fur trade and canadian canadian history yeah yeah canadian history the hudson's bay company and That was the start of the history of this country. Started with the Hudson Bay Company and the fur trade. And it started with the French. People with French, men with French names like Champlain and Cartier. When we did talk about indigenous folks, it was almost always about trade with them, not with the threats that were actually there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We'll give you this, but you have to move. And then if they weren't, if they did not move or did not agree, then they died. They just mysteriously disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember in grade 
13, or the other thing that would tell us about indigenous people are quaint cultural things like how to build a longhouse and how they used to make teepees and how they used to uh, use animal skins to make clothing and stuff like that, like that kind of stuff, which is not small things, but deflects completely from the harsh reality of what actually happened. And I remember in grade 13, so what the hell the fuck was I, 18, 17, 18 by that time? Yeah. My, our history teacher, this, this was the first time this, this tall, this guy had steel blue eyes. He was a German guy, Mr. Neidhart, my history teacher, was the first, pe first person who opened my mind and said, there's more to history than what you've been told, you know that. Just like that. And it, it intrigued me so much, like, what? Because he talked about the, I'm not sure how to pronounce this name, of this nation of people who lived in Newfoundland, the Biotok. I think that's how you pronounce it, but I'm not sure. And how they were massacred and how their entire, the entire nation of Biotok were, were destroyed when the Vikings came. Mm -hmm right and how there are only small remnants of their existence in in existence in Newfoundland and Labrador today and I was I made a connection between that or what I remember hearing about the Arawak and the Taino and the Carabindians in Jamaica and feeling like how can an entire how can an entire community of people disappear yeah it's certainly possible you bring enough syphilis and smallpox and that'll do it. Shit. Yeah. I do remember hearing a discussing um, battles between indigenous folks and new settlers to our land, but it was always skewed as a fair fight. Um, and it, it just, it was not. It was not, it was not a fair fight. Um, and that, yeah, I remember, and I remember that being questioned. We did have, I don't know if you had this history teacher uh, while we were at Thompson Kim, but um, he was a very quiet man and his name is escaping me with, with glasses. But when he decided something was important, like we, I remember us going over the history of HIV and AIDS. Um, and um, he felt very passionate about it and spoke up. He also felt, you could see he felt very passionate about this and was trying to lead us to information, but not, it was like it was, out, it was outside of the textbooks we were allowed to read. So although we would read about the fighting and about the battles, we would not read about actually just sneaking in and attacking and killing people which is what often happened. Yeah. Yeah. So this is all very depressing. It's enraging and awful. And I personally don't want to leave it like that because although no person, no individual, no community should be forced to be as resilient and as strong as the indigenous community has been and continues to be they have been resilient 
and strong and overcome and been able to persevere and push through. And there are people who live with joy and compassion and brilliance and talent and ingenuity and innovation and all of the stuff that, all of the kind of things that we value. And that is how, that is how healing will happen. So not just healing, but justice, because yeah. I'm not just sad. I'm not a member of the, of the First Nations community. So I don't want to make it seem like, oh, my emotions are stronger than anybody else's, but I'm not just sad and overcome with sadness and grief, grief, but I'm, I'm filled with such outrageous, fierce anger. That's a part of it too. And it's righteous and it's just. And so justice is something that's also needed alongside healing, justice and healing. And what can we do? That's the next question. What can we do? What can we do that's practical and pragmatic to help in our own little way push this forward? If it isn't just bringing awareness, if it's not demanding, putting pressure on powers that be, then what else can we do to move this forward? That's what, and I'm not saying, nobody has to come up with an answer like right now. I'm saying, please give it some thought, give it some thought. Give some thought to how you live your life and, and, and what can you do in your life to push this forward? I think a great first place for everybody is to read the reports that came from the Truth and Reconciliation investigations. Yeah, it's available. It's been, it's been publicly accessible always. So start, now, start there. Start it. there. Yeah. yeah. So now people are posting it on Instagram facebook and other places like that so you don't even have to go to like some government website or anything to to find it it's there accessible for for all of all of us so it's a good place to start and then you will see what all of the recommendations are and you can decide if there's any way that you can fit yourself into there yeah, because or ask your government representatives people to do this isn't just the bird just like with anti-black racism just like with homophobia and transphobia those communities are not we they should not be walking alone to do this they should not plain and simple a book that i heard about just today that i want to get but apparently it's hard to find is 21 things you may not know about the indian act by bob joseph so help canadians make reconciliation with indigenous people a reality so this is an actual book mm -hmm. Hmm. Um, and it's hard to find. You can't get it on Amazon. I haven't searched, but this this post I saw, uh, Angela Jackson posted it. Um, she said she's had trouble finding it. It's on reserve uh, at her library, but I thought I'd check Amazon today or in, in, probably not Indigo, but I'll find a copy eventually. That's sort of a good place to start. It is a good place to start. It's a good education and it's a um, probably has a lot of small practical ideas too. Doesn't everything doesn't have to be giant. Nobody's expecting oh. anybody else to single-handedly. That's the one. There you go. Perfect. It's on Amazon. Perfect. It'll be in stock on July 7th. I certainly don't mind to own it. That's for sure. They can share it, right? There you go. I don't need to get it from the library. Oh my God. I kind of would like to own it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 
So that's what you can do. That's what you can do. Okay, well, how do we move on from here? Talk about baby catcher. We just move on. We just we just do it. We, we just, just do, do it. All right. Let's move on. This is our book club episode. Speaking of books, talking about the baby catcher. I have mine on Kindle. Nice. Did you right. do audiobook stuff? Pardon? Did you do an audiobook of this? I did audiobook and I listened to it twice. It was so good. Ah. Okay, so so let's let's start there. Out of 10, what would you give this book? Stephanie, we'll start with you since you seem to be since you seem to like it. <laughs> I did really like it. I'd give it a solid eight. Okay. I mean, it wasn't, it, when you know what you're reading, you know that you're reading the memoirs of an, a midwife who moved through many different generations. Um, I don't know that I learned anything new, but I appreciated her vulnerability and I appreciated, um, yeah, in I appreciated the vulnerability to, basically say at, at her own yeah I, I appreciated the vulnerability she offered and her what do you call it when you don't believe what that you are a midwife or you don't believe you are what you actually are what do you your call imposter, that your imposter Imp syndrome yes her honesty about she never called it that but through all of it she would come back to that that she couldn't believe she was actually doing this because she wasn't some uh, long haired wearing hippie although she did eventually buy her Birkenstocks yeah she did she wasn't a witch she wasn't a all these other things that she herself believed actually made a midwife so sorry I jumped into that I, I guess we should, probably should have given a synopsis to those who didn't actually read the book um, <laughs> I'm it's not good at running book club um, it is a memoir of uh, Peggy Vincent who is a midwife in did she start in the 80s I guess um, or in the 70s. She was a nurse to begin with. She was a nurse, yeah. Uh, in, in, labor. in labor. Yeah, and living in San Francisco in the Bay Area, um, the height of crunchy granola Berkeley. Um, and it's sort of her journey from becoming a nurse on labor and delivery to becoming a I guess a lay midwife certified to a certified midwife. midwife and then back to back to being a nurse back to being a nurse on the labor and delivery floor as as a midwife but back to working in the hospital medical system and lots of stories lots of good stories uh throughout the entire book so Carissa what would you give this book first time I'd read it I really, really, really liked it. I, so you, you've read it more than once too? No, the first time, this is the first time. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's the first book I've read in a while. Oh. So I was able to read it quickly. I love the way it was written. I would give it an eight or a nine. I'm generous. Like, I felt it was timely for me, some stuff that was going on in my world birth-wise. Um, this last week was my first at-home all-natural birth that completed as an at-home birth. Nice. And yeah, it just felt perfect timing to be reading this book. Awesome. Your first ever home birth or your first during COVID? Uh, no, it, I've had lots of home births. It started off as home births and didn't complete as home births. 
but remember, I've only been a doula for about four years, right? So most of my oh, births are okay. hospital births or um, high risk. I tend to attract older clientele sometimes. Um, and maybe invite a, a group of people that may not want to try a home birth. So I was very excited to be part of it. And I, I knew this was her third child and I knew that it was gonna hopefully, uh, it ended up being a very emotional event for many, many reasons. It took me about a week to get over it. Uh, but everyone mm -hmm. is fine. Um, yeah, this book was interesting to be reading at the same time. Oh, that's great. Yeah. All right, what about you, Suzanne? Um, I'm going to give this book a solid seven. I liked it. I enjoyed it a lot uh, because it was just story after story after story. That's what it was. It, it wasn't like a long narrative. There wasn't a plot or anything because it's memoirs. Uh, and she just told different, interesting, her most unusual birth stories. She, she pulled out of her, her charts and put them into a book. And it's very simple, very straightforward, and I appreciated it. Um, I appreciated it for what it was. As soon as I got into the book, I realized, okay, this is what it is. And I didn't expect it to be, you know, a life-changing home of, <laughs> of literary, <laughs> literary value. So for what it was, I enjoyed it. So solid seven, I gave it, I give it. Cool. Yeah. How about you, Kim? So when I read it the first time, probably about back in like 2007, um, I would have given it a nine. Easy. No problem. Loved it. Thought it was the best book I ever read. Um, yeah. But I had been a doula like all of a nanosecond. So it was like, oh, I was voraciously reading stories about birth and oh, it was so great. Yeah. Oh yeah, at that point. Um, now having read it the second time, Nah, I'll go a seven, I guess. I mean, it's certainly come down from where it was before. Um, I had some issues. Obviously, I've talked about this. I've had some issues with the language. I've had some issues with the tone. Um, I've had some issues with, I don't know, maybe, I'm, maybe I was reading it with this in my head, but I don't know, it just some of the tone towards her clients was like kind of flippant and it felt a bit, it felt a bit like a doctor standing there going, oh, there's another one, you know, trying to do home birth. Like it kind of felt like that tone um, with the occasional story. So yeah, um, yeah. so it's definitely gone down for me. Mm -hmm. I get that and I hear you. Um, I mean, I have I mean like, I have like, pages and pages and pages marked of where I had issues with what was oh, read them then. that's the thing that I hate about Kindle because I love to do that you can't do it you want to read them out loud they're, 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 I mean, as you all know but when you're not reading it's a little bit different when you're listening sometimes but yeah you kind of hear it and you're like wow did I just read that but then you have to remember when the book was written and how much has changed and it's amazing when you look back to think how did we not find that inappropriate? <laughs> or yeah. some people did and other people did not. Yes. yes. Yeah. So, so the first, um, she says, uh, honey, you're not in Candace anymore. He said his fuchsia, this was the one, um, this was the story 
she was in she was uh, in a really rough neighborhood yeah adidas to birkenstocks um his fuchsia boa nearly slapping me in the face as he tossed it over his left shoulder. He couldn't possibly have known I'd lived in Kansas for nine years, but I'm sure my astonishment glowed as brightly as Dorothy's yellow brick road when he introduced me to his pregnant girlfriend, a 400 pound black prostitute named Rosebud. And I'm reading that going, yes, yeah. it was all there. And then it's like, I don't know. Like I read it and was like, that's the way she saw this person. Yes. And then I'm, I think I'm, that yeah. it's the tone. It's how she, she's the way she describes things. It's like, that's how she saw it. When she talks, when she called that, I mean, I was, I pretty much kind of threw in the towel of actually considering liking this book any further when the one baby had pooped all over the birthing parent and whatnot. And she said she was going to take this little tar baby now off to go get clean. Uh, yes. Oh, and I, I just like, about fell off my chair. Like, <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? Like, yes. But again, yeah. I mean, I get it was 1980 something. But oh, fuck so me. She, she, many times she mentioned people's race, ethnicity, or religion, and I was waiting to find out the the like necessity of that. And many times it didn't come. No, no, I like, and that was know. that. That was just it. And I'm like, was that necessary to sort of put that in there? Like, was that was there need for that? But but that always made me think like. Does she always mention people's race, ethnicity, and religion? Because one, she wants to show how diverse her practice was. I don't know, because or, she never said anything. She never yeah. mentioned race or anything when they were white people. I'm only assuming they were white people because she never said anything about it. That's the way it always goes. Or two, was she just doing that thing where whiteness is centered and so you don't need to mention it because it is normal? Yeah. <laughs> Right. So, or maybe it's a combination of both of those things as she's writing. That's what she's, that's what she's doing. Yeah. And the centering of whiteness. Mm. Yeah. Is, and I mean, is, I, I is... so to be, to be fair, I myself didn't, didn't hear the concept of the centering of whiteness until 1992. Well, and that's just it. And this is why I'm saying when I read it in 2007, I was. Oh, that I, stuff just passed over your head. Yeah, because yeah. I'm cis white head. Like I don't. Care. This is my. This is my existence. Oh, this is my book. This is. This is. This is speaking to me. Speaking to me. Yeah. But now, in 2021, after everything, mm -hmm. it's like, ooh, uh, eh, I don't know about that. Uh, can yeah. we get a rewrite? Can we get this to be republished? Can we? Is she still alive? Can we get her to rewrite this? Mm -hmm. But I think part of it is we see that evolution. Like she, when she was writing this, because she wrote this after all these years, she yeah. could have caught, gone back and corrected herself or made it more correct. Mm -hmm. But she let it sit there as her own ignorance. And she owned that ignorance as you go along. In the moment, I'm like, what the fuck? But then as you go along, she, she says things along the lines such as she never decenters whiteness. But as she goes along, she does say, I can't believe I thought that way before or that that was even upsetting or that that seemed even odd. 
you know, you see little snippets of that as well, where she realizes those yes. things never should have even been a blip on my screen. They're just people. So, that, so there's, I, a little, there's a blip of evolution. There's a lip of evolution, not perfection by any means. I didn't catch the, the blip of evolution. So good for you for picking up on that because I never saw it even remotely. Things that she would have pointed out earlier, she stopped pointing out. They just weren't a thing. Um, but my, my friends, I have to go. I have a showing at my house that wasn't supposed to be coming till tomorrow. And we just found out that actually showings are starting today. So oh, okay. I should oh. really go, go and there. sell my house. Ah, okay. Sell the hell, sell the hell out of that house. Sell the house. All right. I'll talk to you guys later. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. 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 All right. So do you have a favorite story? Was there a story that spoke to you or a couple or whatever? I'm trying to look at you through over my glasses. I like it when you do that. It's very cute. I I um I have a the story that sticks out the most for me is the story that maybe I'm mixing up two stories here, but it was a prolapse. So there were two prolapse stories. The one prolapse story that led to her um, um, demise, being able to practice, uh, have her own practice anymore. And, And the reason why it stuck out is because the exact same thing, except for the litigation and all that shit happened to Jay. My, oh, wow. uh, my midwife friend, there was, she was at a home birth. There was a prolapse, same thing. She told the woman, get on your hands and knees, stick your bum up in the air. She had her hand inside holding the baby's head off the cord. They called 911, same thing. These people have these rickety fucking tiny, like there's one of these skinny houses downtown. Yeah, where like three-story walk up. <laughs> yeah, you gain five pounds, you can't go in your house anymore because it's <laughs> so narrow. And the paramedics came and she had her left hand because she's left-handed inside the woman's vagina, holding the baby's head off the cord. And she had to walk backwards as the paramedics carried the birthing woman off the, the, on her hands and knees on the stretcher down the stairs. And Jay can't walk backwards. She, she's, she's got MS and some, some like, um, I don't know what you call it, like spatial, whatever. Right stuff and so walking backwards downstairs shit balls impossible so the paramedic who was at this one end at the bottom of the the stretcher had to talk her through foot by foot okay take your left foot and sometimes he had to reach over and touch it so she would know this one okay bring it down and then then the next one and she had her hand inside that one they went into the ambulance drove to saint mike's all the way down the hallways up to the operating room same thing crouched down uh, by the operating room bed with her hands inside until they did the incision and then she could take her hands out so they get the baby out so it was the i was like oh my god it's the exact same thing so that one freaked me out yeah wow what about you carissa was there one that spoke to you I liked a lot of them. That one got me, but I think it was the young couple. Um, they were married. Nima and Charlie. Yes. And they yes. had four children, and she became a, dude, a midwife. Yeah. They moved to Yemen or somewhere like that. I really loved that first. Uh, I, oh, well, I don't have to finish reading the book now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> last, the yeah. last 10 pages. I'm like, 
shit, that didn't happen in the lab. Having a child when you're young and her having that mental ability to be the birthing person that she was and for him to be the person that he was and yeah, and then, then to continue on that love story and that relationship. I love that. That was nice. Is yeah, I love that. Story. Was thick, but <laughs> it was good. Yeah, that's probably my favorite. Yeah, I like that one too. I did like the uh I the one on the boat. Boat. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? How is how did she okay, seriously, how did she do that home visit, you know, and go, are we all for is I must be frozen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. How I mean, how did she oh, do that yeah. home visit and say that yeah this is a good place to have a baby like isn't that the point of the home visit to go and say um not sure if this is all gonna work they didn't even have an oven to heat the blankets with and why wasn't she thinking about these things ahead of time was that the point of a home visit back in the day though was it to question where you were having the baby because no i mean that's i mean that's the way they always were in england i don't know But wow. I, mean, she cert- I mean, she certainly went well, to their home and stood there in the middle of a fucking boat with, and she said they were hoarders. Like, I'm like, then what the actual hell? Did you not say, you know what, love, I think maybe, do we want to try birthing? They somewhere? seem to be, they seem to be super accommodating, way more accommodating than any midwife I've ever encountered yeah. here. No kidding. Super accommodating. Like there, they, she was in some situations that there's no way in hell any midwife here would have would have um, put herself through. Hundred percent. Yeah, that boat one though, where she almost drowned. When she said that the dock, and I've been on those docks that they're floating oh, docks. Yeah. Oh yeah. So they're all you walking and they're moving, and it's pitch black, pouring rain and hurricane force winds and she goes that thing was whipping around like like a wild snake i would be like sorry i'd yell across the water i'm sorry and of course there's no cell phones for her to like go hey can you come and get me me. can you come and help me and then of course then her assistant bonnie is coming and i'm like she's dead Bonnie gonna die like this is how and I mean I read the book so I knew that that didn't happen but I'm like yeah Bonnie's dead Bonnie's gonna die trying to get yeah sorry Bonnie and they're soaking wet can you imagine how gross I would be so miserable yeah yeah and then changing into their clothes clothes no, no. Uh, no, I would be miserable. No. I'm, I'm imagining, and wasn't she called out of, it was the middle of the night, so she was like called out of bed uh, or, or it was late at night because her daughter said to her, you're not going out in this, are you? And she's just like, oh, wow. I think it was know. after dinner. I think it was just after dinner that she went. Oh, Lord have mercy. Yeah, that was a, that was a wild one. Yeah. That was wild. Yeah. Her birth was pretty good too with her third and with the with the when she was talking about sort of like the energy of the the women that she yeah. had around her and stuff which i yeah. thought was yeah. which i thought was pretty good mm-hmm. and how about that story that her son told after she had a miscarriage at 40 wasn't that amazing yeah and her son said to her you have to try again and then he talked about spirit babies that when a baby is lost right that that baby goes 
like there's a long lineup of spirits, human spirits that could possibly become your child. And when you lose a baby, that spirit of that baby goes to the front of the line. And then the next baby you have, that's actually the spirit of that baby. That brought back memories of Kyle and what Kyle, my son Kyle used to talk about his life before he was born. And one of the big sort of um, belief or philosophies that came out of what Kyle was saying is that all of the children that you could possibly have exist somewhere in that place that Kyle used to talk about. And then when a baby is conceived, one of those souls or spirits or whatever goes into that baby because he remembers being with all of his siblings and he remembers things happening all around him. Sometimes my Adam, who's my oldest, was there and sometimes he wasn't because he was already born. Mm -hmm. So they all lived together somewhere and then one by one they left and came here. And he told those stories all the way up until he was about seven and then wow. he stopped and if i didn't write them down then I, I if i didn't write that all down then um that i wouldn't remember them but when that when her son was talking about that that really resonated with me too because yeah yeah woo woo very very woo woo but there it is yeah i got some room for the woo me too <laughs> A little bit. A little bit. A little bit, yeah. And <coughs> boy, did she describe San Francisco and the Berkeley area, the Bay Area. Oh my God. It exactly the way in my mind it would be. Like very totally hippie. Um, so she went into nurse, she was in nursing school in the 60s. Remember, so she was insulated from all the civil rights stuff and all of that because they were all focused on their studies and whatever. So she started practicing nursing yeah. probably like in the late 60s. Mm-hmm. I think she had her first child or she got married in 1970 or something like that, right? Can't remember. Uh, she was in Duke University in 62. Okay. The beginning yeah. of the chapter, right? So did she have a first baby in 1970 or something? I know she had she had one in 74 and then she had the third one after that. But the yeah. first one I'm thinking, her son Colin. So, so Colin's two, like years, two or three years between them. Between Colin and Jill. Yeah. Yes. Hello, I just finished reading the book last night. That's why I remember their names. <laughs> Otherwise, I would not be remembering these things. Uh, yeah. Those dates stick out because that my parents got married in 1970. So I'm like always trying to place them with people that I know. So she's, she's like my parents' age. Yeah. 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 Um, so what, what would you do? Would you prefer if you were a midwife at that time? Because I did learn a lot about how midwifery evolved and changed out that way, which is very different from how we do it here um in terms of insurance companies not covering um lay midwives and all that not even lay midwives certified nurse midwives weren't getting covered if they if they had private practices and um that was a big chance it seems like they made a good income her and her husband who kind of didn't 
go into what he had a profession that he didn't study for. Mm-hmm. He kind of did his own thing. And then she was over there midwifing, but they seemed like they were doing okay. I mean, they had a beat up old car for the, I think that's, I think that's like a, um, a criteria for being a midwife in the sixties in California. You, you could not have a nice car. You weren't allowed. You had to have a beat up old VW bug that had a funky bumper sticker or a license plate. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you, which would you prefer the security of the hospital work being a nurse midwife inside a hospital where you've got salary, dependable salary shifts and so on job security or the independence and autonomy of running your own practice and doing your own thing out there. I feel like I've, since I've worked in the healthcare environment and I've worked as a doula, it's hard for me to answer like somebody else might, but how I would probably sadly still pick the hospital. The security. I would too. Not necessarily the security. I know my life is chaos. I can't imagine being a midwife. Not chaos, you know what I mean? It can be pretty crazy. There's weeks where I don't sleep properly for weeks or you're on, I've been on call. I, this is my first month off in ages, right? And I'm taking this month off from birth. But as a midwife, that doesn't happen. And so when you go to a hospital, as much as you don't get attached and you don't get that interaction, you get to go home. And, and you your shift that. ends at a predictable time. And you do have that security of, of support behind you. I don't like the hospital policies and I don't like the way that they do birth still to this day, nor in the book. Um, but for me, I don't know if I could live my whole life like that. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I mean, I think I'd probably pick the hospital setting, but I've, I mean, I vaguely for a nanosecond considered becoming a midwife and then it was like, mm, nope. Yeah, no. nope. <laughs> I seriously I seriously considered becoming a midwife, actually upgraded my courses that I needed some couple of science credits to apply. And then it was just, it was my life at the time. If my husband was different, like really different, totally different, whole new person, I would have done it. If he, if, because you, you, they even said it in this book, forget your life. You're not, you're not going to have a life once you start this program. And it was one year. Well, but that's probably because she was already a nurse. She was already a labor and delivery nurse. And then she did this one year midwifery course, yep. but uh, I seriously considered applying to the midwifery education program at Ryerson, um, did the upgrading, sat with it the whole being on call, always on the run, always tired. Didn't even, I didn't even think about that. That didn't even cross my mind. It was about what am I going to do with my children while I'm studying? And it would, I could have done the seven year path, which is part-time, but at at that time when I was 32, 34, 35, oh, seven years seemed like ridiculous, too much, too long. But if I had done that, I would have been practicing midwifery now for more than 10 years if I had done that but I couldn't fathom um doing it in the environment of my life back then my home life my marriage 
it was just, I couldn't add that. You have to have major, major support. And appreciates it and is okay. And people can say that they're okay, but they're not always okay. Yeah. So you have to, you know, and it's one that I think it's a very specialized uh, home life that has to be conducive to that kind of environment and schedule. And um, I don't think there's a lot of that. A lot mm -hmm. of people like to do that. Yeah. No, that's true. And she, I mean, she seemed to have a very incredibly supportive family. You know, Roger, Raj um, was very supportive and her children were very supportive as well. Um, there certainly was no, unless she just never saw it, there certainly didn't, there was no allusion to, you know, her children, you know, being harmed or resentful or anything. Yeah, that's the word, resentful. So it seems like it seems like her midwifery work because she was a midwife before or she was a, she worked in this field before even her first child was born it was a part of their life they didn't mm -hmm. know any different so nobody you know i'm sure they might have been upset oh do you have to go mom like they already they always everybody was on call all the time it wasn't yeah. just her everybody yeah. was on call always so they it was built in yeah. and that's hard on a family i mean that's I mean, when you're a doula, it's hard on a family. I can imagine being, you know, that main care provider mm -hmm. and and having to, you know. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it sounded like her her caseload sounded ridiculously large. Yes. Like insanely large. Yes. Yeah. Um, part of that was because she was so well known in the community. Yeah. She worked so long already in the hospital as a nurse because she she became the midwife for all of her nurse friends. Yeah. yeah. So so yes. in the case that um, had based had eventually led to her demise as a private practice midwife, um, where the baby had passed away, she was working really in the capacity as a doula. She was not, even though it was never said, um, that is what she was doing, and I know. So this kind of, this kind of, to me was like, see, this is what I'm talking about. There are doulas who are like, oh, nothing bad ever happens at births and blah, blah, blah. And I will be fine and da, 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 da. And it doesn't matter. You know, I don't need to have insurance and I don't need to have X, Y, Z and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And yes, most of the time things are going to be fine. Most of the time things are going to be fine. But she had been. Until a they're not. Until they're not. And, and this is what happens. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and and it comes down to the point of, you know, well, I'm not doing anything medical. Well, neither was she. However, like a doula, she would have been perceived as being that person in charge because of who she is. The most and that's, knowledgeable person in the room. That's exactly. You. And when she said, well, the Good Samaritan laws and her lawyer just went, nope. Yeah, sorry. No. Doesn't because, apply to you. You're not just some person standing by the side of the road. Huh, exactly. You chose to be there. You put yourself into that situation. So those Good Samaritan laws don't pertain to you. And, and being paid. Sorry? What? She was being paid. And she was being paid. Yes. And when she got there and the woman showed her the schmutz that had came out of her body oh. and she immediately knew what it was and what had happened. 
You see? So that's, you were the most clinically knowledgeable person in the room. She exactly. knew immediately upon looking at it that this baby was in major trouble. Yep. And, 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 then, family, and then put her they, hands inside of her. Exactly. And that family then proceeded to try and, rightly so, to pay for the care and health of this of this baby, this mm-hmm. child, this eventual adult, to sue everybody who happened to even pass within 10 feet of that entire birth. The mm-hmm. nurses, the ambulance, the doctor, her, anybody who was there, anybody who even you know remotely came within spinning distance was getting sued. So don't sit there and tell me that, you know, oh, I'm not going to get sued because, you know, I'm not doing anything medical. Guess what? You're in the room. Or because my clients and I have a really great relationship. I can see that happen too. My clients and I have a great relationship. They love me and they know that I had good intentions and blah, blah, blah. And I said, grief, but when grief grabs a hold of your heart and your, and then lawyers grab a hold of your brain, it's a whole different story, my friend. Nobody to them. Nobody. That's right. Nobody. All they can see is their severely disabled child due to the birth circumstances that you were a part of, whether you did right or wrong, really at that point is neither here nor there. No. And I mean, it's, it felt like a trap. Yeah. The whole, the the way the whole thing unfolded unfolded felt like a trap because there was, it, it seemed in the beginning that there's always, there was always an out, but there wasn't this loop closed. And then you're like, oh, well, you know, I didn't do anything wrong. And that loop closed because that doesn't matter. Oh, but we have a good relationship. But guess what? You don't, you know, you don't. You, but I you had- don't even have access to talk to these people to say, hi, remember me, your loving doula? Remember me? I had your best interest at heart. You know, when there's litigation going on, you're not going to be allowed to go have tea with these no. people who could potentially fool you and ruin your whole life. No. So. But what about a contract? What I have a contract. Yeah, fuck your contract. Nothing. She had a contract too. Didn't make a damn bit of difference. Yes. And then the insurance company said, we're settling. Yeah. We are settling. And you are thinking, no, we can't settle. I didn't do anything wrong. As long as I just need a chance to say my piece and everybody will believe me and it will all come out fine. And the insurance company is like, we call the shots. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what you think or feel. This, this is what we say is happening. End of story. Oh, yeah, and by is- the way, you're too high of a risk for us to take a chance on. Yeah. And this all this money. Let's go one step further. You're too much of a risk. Hmm. Maybe other doulas are too much of a risk too. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe now we're not going to cover doulas at all. And now the hospital's going, Hmm, look what that one doula did. Hmm. We don't want that. We don't want that in our in our in our business because they so. then you're looking way down the road what if exactly. something like this happens again exactly we're so sure that you're nice and good and we're we're we trust you as a person however we can't as a whole institution take that chance on you that's right because so when they do when they when a doula decides to take that risk they are also taking all of us on that risk with them mm-hmm. and yeah. i didn't sign up for that and yeah. that's not that's not fair to my livelihood moving forward if you're going to fuck it up for everybody. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, look what happened. It turned out that all private practice midwives then kind of disappeared and everybody ended up back into the hospitals where they started from. Yeah. Yeah, that's too bad. That really is too bad. And I think that is why here in Ontario, um, professional liability insurance for midwives is, is funded. 
Yeah. That would it would ruin. Oh yeah. Like, which midwifery practice could afford to pay even these fucking premiums? You know, they're thirty six thousand dollars a year. Jesus. Thirty six thousand dollars just for insurance. Just for insurance. And so, if you have a practice with five midwives, wow. How is the practice going to afford that? It can't. So yeah. that was obviously a part because the people who put together the whole. Um, the first start of legislated midwifery in Ontario, they, they looked at history like this and realized, uh -uh. and on top of professional liability insurance, every midwifery practice has to also have business and commercial insurance. Because mm -hmm. what if somebody slips on your steps as they're walking into the clinic? Well, exactly. Right? What if somebody breaks in and steals all the, um, the, the birth equipment? Yep. Yeah, no. So, so yeah, there, the history of midwifery, it was interesting. I liked getting a glimpse into the profession, not just yeah. the birth stories, mm -hmm. but the way that her relationship with the doctors, oh, fuck, unless she was exaggerating, what I don't. a bunch of fucking assholes. It seemed like there was no middle ground. Either there were obstetricians that hated or they hated out to, yeah. yeah out to get them or they were like oh yeah i can't wait to see how you guys this is amazing i love it yeah it was, there was no middle ground no and every time she brought up an ob i pictured one of the ob's that i've encountered like, in <laughs> yeah <laughs> so and most right. of them were men did you notice that oh yeah there didn't appear to be any female obstetricians yeah no <laughs> In the in Kaiser Permanente or wherever the hell she worked. Well, that uh, the Alta Bates. Alta Bates. The, yeah. yeah, the first hospital. Kaiser Permanente was the the second one. The second one. Mm -hmm. All um, right, I hate to do this, but I'm gonna have to go too. I have to. Uh, well, I mean, it is three. Up in three. Yeah. All right. We did good work here today, people. We, we yeah. did. I hope everybody will do some research on. The history of midwifery and we'll do some research on their own um indigenous rights and issues hey, how about this how about you look into do some research on indigenous midwifery there oh there you big, go there is a big story here in ontario to tell about the evolution of indigenous midwifery in ontario 100 so, there you go so wherever you happen to be wherever you happen to be check it out go down that rabbit hole <laughs> yes all right just fine thank you so much guys all right you are welcome we will thank see you, you next time coming. don't even think that we're going to tell you another book today get out of here no i'm sorry <laughs> look how long it took us last time to get you a book okay yeah. all right we'll, we'll tell you another one. don't worry yeah have fun guys take care Good Good Bye. Bye.